You're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, K248BR, 97.5 in Santa Cruz, or on the web at kpfa.org. The time is 7.01 p.m. Up next, Full Circle. Stay with us. Full Circle, yes, we roll. Chase 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, high, Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. Tonight we bring you sounds from the East Lake Music Festival, held each year at the Lake Merritt Amphitheater in Oakland. On tonight's show, we'll hear interviews with organizers, musicians, and artists from this year's festival. We'll also hear from music from this year's performers. I'm your host, Ido Desperado Ephraim Colbert. Keep it locked on 94.1 FM. KPFA. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA. Summer is in full swing, and each year in the heart of the music festival season, Oakland comes together for the East Lake Music Festival. The East Lake Music Festival is a not-for-profit festival fiscally sponsored by the Friends of Oakland Parks. They are 100% volunteer planned, organized, and run. This year, they invited Full Circle to the event. We're going to start the show with sounds from the opening ceremony, including a song and interview with the opening artist. This is sacred ground that we're on. So we want to remember that throughout the day, and we want to kind of pay some homage and open this festival with a celebration of the indigenous peoples and native peoples who still remain in our neighborhood. Uh, Manny is here representing all nation singers. Uh, they practice over at the Inter-Tribal Friendship House on International, and uh, we're really happy to have our neighbors with us always. Um, so he's going to kick it off, and then uh, after that I'll tell you a little bit more about this festival and how it all came together, and how it is always going to be free for everyone in Oakland every year, always. We're so glad to have you. Everybody did this for the love and for y'all. So here we go, let's, let's kick it off. All right, thank you. So what I'm gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm gonna share a couple of songs from our uh, different indigenous tribes from all around the nation. This song here that um, I'm gonna sing is a, a newly composed song. Um, did anybody in out here today uh, hear about what was happening out at Standing Rock, North Dakota a few months back with the No Dapple movement? So this song that I'm going to sing here was created during that movement. It's a song that talks about our indigenous resistance, in particular, to the reliance on fossil fuels, which means coal, gases, oils, all those things that reside under the earth that are part of our of the natural process of death. And us as humans, we keep digging these things up and causing a lot of environmental harm. And so this song talks about how bad those events are. And as, as a human beings on this planet, we really need to change the way we uh, proceed further. So this is an environmental justice uh, tune, again, that was just composed recently at the Ocheti Shakoin camp up on the Cannonball River in North Dakota. 
All right, welcome everyone. This is Free Will and Franklin. I'm here at the East Lake Music Festival in Oakland, California. We're right on the East Lake and we're at the amphitheater and we're being joined by our first guest. This is Manny from All Nation Singers. Welcome, Manny. Hey, thank you, Frank. And we're just going to talk briefly about like what you said, the things you said when you opened up the ceremony. So talk a little bit about the land here. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, so um, I learned a lot of what we're going to talk about here from a good friend and an ex-co-worker of mine. Her name is Karina Gould. She's a, a member of the Chochenyo Ohlone, which traditionally have occupied from Carquinas all the way down through this area here in Oakland, all the way down to, I believe, like kind of like the borders of Fremont, San Jose. And so um, I was schooled to the fact that where the, where the library lays on the west side of the lake here, it used to be a, a shell mound. And a shell mound, for those of you listeners that are unfamiliar, a shell mound is the, the burial site where the people, the Ohlone, what they would do is they would bury their kin. And then what they would do to protect that grave was they would essentially entomb it in a lot of the refuge from the different shellfish and things like that that they would consume to forever make sure that those uh, graves would never be disturbed. Unfortunately, with this, within the society we live in today, all that stuff had been since bulldozed and, and built on top of. There's a, a fight going on right now on, in West Berkeley to protect the, the remnants of what used to be a shell mound there that's now underneath the, the asphalt of a parking lot. So again, for people who want to support um, establishing uh, you know, true cultural identity uh, refuge areas here in the Bay Area, please look into that for um, more ways to get involved. Talk about like the the name of this area before it was Oakland, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Right. So the the name traditionally held for the the area that's now called Oakland is Huchin. Again, that's a um, the the Ohlone word of this uh, original encampment. I myself, I'm a Navajo and a Comanche, so I'm a transplant to this area. But it's it's always important as an indigenous person to be respectful of the the land that you're on, and the ancestors and the 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 relatives that still reside in this area. Um, I myself was just asked to come out here and sing, and so in no way was I trying to do an Ohlone welcoming, but really just a welcoming and an acknowledgement of, of the different indigenous nations that are now reside in the city of Oakland, um, in the village of Huchin, because there's a, a huge population here. I work just on the, on the west side as well at, an, uh, at the American Indian Child Resource Center, so there's a lot of different Native American agencies throughout Oakland, throughout San Francisco, San Jose, all the way up to Sacramento. And, uh, you know, there's a, a vibrant community here that supports one another, almost lives the same way we lived, you know, thousands of years ago with really looking out for one another, providing access to resources and, and things like that so that no one in our community really gets uh, left behind or falls at the wayside. And one of those places is right down the street on International Boulevard. Tell us about some of the activities that people are welcome to attend there and how they could learn about the indigenous cultures of this area just by stopping by that location. For sure, the uh, Intertribal Friendship House is located at 523 International Boulevard uh, in Oakland. It's the oldest Indian safe house that's still in operation um, throughout the nation, throughout the whole United States of America. It's the only one that, when, when it was established, it, it had never gone under. It's never stopped providing services to our community. And one of the things that I, I make sure I attend because I, I value it as an individual is um, on Thursdays we have a, a drum and dance class. And so I go there and volunteer my time to teach kids and adults and anybody else who wants to learn the, the different protocols of powwow. So powwow style singing, powwow style dancing, and really just try to be a, a community resource to those people who want to get involved. Um, for me, 
powwow was kind of the segue into learning more about my own cultural identity, which is Navajo and which is uh, Comanche. But through the powwow, I got more interested in like, oh, well, what else can I learn? What else can I, you know, can I learn songs in, in our own languages? So powwow is not necessarily something that's traditional for all indigenous people. But for me, that's the tool that it served as, is as a segue into to wanting to explore more and wanting to delve deeper into my own cultural identity and tribal customs and ways of life. So again, that's every Thursday night. They usually have a potluck from about 6 to 7, and then the dance class starts from 7 and goes all the way till 9 p.m. And so we have young people, we have middle-aged folks, elders, everybody comes out and has a really good time on Thursday nights. Well, speaking about drumming and dancing, before we let you go, you sang what might be considered a newer uh, song. It was about the struggles of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Would you mind like repeating a little bit of it here? Kind of tell us about like the the short history of the song and what it's about and maybe um, a couple of the lyrics so we could understand, you know, what you're over there singing about. Okay, great. So yeah, the, the song that I sang is uh, one of the several No Dapple songs. I believe, again, from what I understand, it was composed by members from the Cherry Creek Singers and it was, it was given to the people and the fight that was going on out in, um, in the Ochetisha Cohen camp to stop the building and the operation of the Dakota Access Pipeline, which was a pipeline that was proposed and then halted to stop fracked oil from further north in North Dakota through the, the reservation boundaries of the Standing Rock uh, Lakota tribe. The pipeline was originally supposed to go through Bismarck, North Dakota, but because people uh, in Bismarck, white people basically, said, hey, you know what, this is a, a threat to our drinking water and, and we just really don't want it to happen. So what the developers did is they moved the pipeline from north of Bismarck to just north of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe uh, Reservation. Currently, that, that pipeline already has several leaks since it's been in operation as of, I believe it was uh, maybe about three months back. Yeah, not it started, long. It started to actually push oil through, and it's not even fully operational, and it's still, uh, you know, it's already showing signs of a very serious environmental damage. The song I sang, the words, um, again, I'm not fluent in Lakota, but I'll do the best that I can with what I know. But the songs they say, they say, Unchi Maka, which means... The, the Mother Earth, that's that term for that. Again, basically what it's saying is that our, our Mother Earth is valuable and needs to be protected. It's the most sacred thing. It provides us the water, which is life. And that what the Dakota Access Pipeline or what DAPL is trying to do is is bad and is harmful. And so that um, the, the people need to stay strong. The people need to continue to to use our voices and rise up against these, uh, these industries that continually pollute and exploit the land at the expense of indigenous people. So the song, the the words they say, Unche maka yohani hapo, mene wechoni wakayelo, hi DAPL lila secha yelo, oyate bleachiapo. Hey, 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 oh. So again, that's Ooh. that. Oh. That's that's definitely one of those uh, those anthems, uh, kind of like what you're talking about. There's been songs throughout our culture, throughout our history, and especially since our our coming into contact with folks that come with different ideologies, different belief systems, and so our songs become songs of resistance, songs of prayer, songs of action. And this is just one of those songs to add to the AIM song, to add to the Leonard Peltier song, to add to all these songs that we have from from past uh, battle victories and so on and so forth. And, and this is uh, one of those songs that I I believe will be sung for several, several years. Um, 
to this come. Will, this will carry on, yes. Well, Manny, thanks for spending the time with us here at the Full Circle KPFA table. We'll let you go back and enjoy the music festival, and we appreciate your time. Thank you, Frank. Akia hat. Peace. Them boys like Jeffrey Dahmer, cause she bombed just like Osama. So the boys spit game like a llama, yeah, and she bad too. Pissed and got tattoos. See, she's saucy like Ragu. Bossy cause she has to. Rank number one on the leaderboard standings. They take that and stuff up in a minute. But she really sweet as candy. Just to fly to make a landing. I'll make it funky for ya. Rolling like Taylor for ya. I'm Mike and Dayla Toya.
Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA. Tonight we are featuring the sounds of the 2017 Eastlake Music Festival. Our music break was Levice with Hard to Be Ill, who played live at Eastlake Music Festival this year. Prior to the music, we heard the voice of Full Circle's Free Will and Frank Sterling speaking with Manny Lieras of the All Nation Singers. And a reminder, if you're looking to connect with the drummer dance of the original inhabitants of Hushin and the Turtle Island, be sure to stop by the Inter-Tribal Friendship House over at 523 International Boulevard in Hushin, or as some call it, Oakland. Each Thursday evening, they practice drum and dance, starting with a potluck at 6 p.m., drum and dance from 7 to 9 p.m. Thank you, Franklin and Manny. The Eastlake Music Festival prides itself on bringing a variety of talent, drawing from multiple genres of music, dance, and art. Coming up next, we speak with the event organizers and learn the history, background, and process of putting together the amazing festival. KPFA audience, this is Audio Desperado with Stevie G, and we are at the Eastlake Music Festival with one of the cool organizers. Hi, my name is Chang Yi, uh, co-founder of the Eastlake Music Festival. Give us a little bit of background. Uh, how did you get involved with the festival? What sort of brought about the idea, and how did all this come about? I love music. It's always been a passion of mine. I worked in FM radio in the 90s. I'm a house DJ from the 90s. I've gone to movement in Detroit, and I remember a festival at the lake. For me, Oakland is one of the great cities in America for dance, for music, for art, especially currently, contemporaneously. And so, one, I wanted to put on a festival at the lake style of citywide festival at the lake, especially on this side of Measure DD and Jerry Brown's administration. This place is incredible, and it's just a whole different experience to be by the lake than it used to be in the 90s or 80s. And secondly, I co-chair the Business Association in East Lake, and we are an anchor sponsor of this event. We are trying to rebrand the neighborhood. This is the gateway to East Lake, and it's an effort to build community and cooperation with people in the community. We have a lot of ethnicities and refugees that get relocated into our neighborhood. When we just have this incredible current of new people that keep coming to our neighborhood, and it's about folding those new people into what we have here, which is an incredible dynamic neighborhood that has had to battle through a lot and has a lot of resilience and culture that has built up because of it. And so just to put it, all of that together in a place where we can reclaim public space under the shadows of the beautiful Henry J, the Oakland Auto, AKA the Oakland Municipal Auditorium. For us, that building looks like Detroit. The Parkway Theater on East 18th and Park Boulevard looks like Detroit. These are buildings from the 1900s and 1910s. And the way that it's fenced off and the lack of political will downtown has done nothing with them for close to a decade is unacceptable. It says on its face it's dedicated by the citizens to the intellectual and industrial progress of the city. And we just really want to pay homage to that instead of just sharing, you know, photos of uh, black and white photos of what used to be in that building. We are coloring in in living form in 3D what I think this place should be a reborn center diamond in, in our crown of our cultural fabric of the city. I've been living out here for about five years now, and I have noticed since I've been here that that space hasn't been used at all, and it's a beautiful space. Absolutely. What is the reason for that? I don't know all the machinations behind the scenes. I mean, it's City Hall after all. 
I believe in 2004, because of renovations that uh, were required by the HVAC system, something like 20 to 30 million dollars or so, uh, the city had a tough choice. Either invest in the Fox Theater downtown or put some money down and restore that Henry J and compete against, you know, people who book professionally, like the people who book the Fox Theater now. And so, you know, it, it was a tough choice. I, I wasn't at the table back then, but I do know that since 2004 or so, this building has been shuttered, it's been blighted, it's been attempted to be taken over by Occupy Oakland. I know that the Laney College at one point tried to put it on the ballot and claim it as, Laney, or annex it into Laney College proper. As far as I know now, in more recent news, after our first year, Libby and some of the other politicians who came to campaign out here in our first year, um, they saw what it was. They put out RFPs three years ago, and Orton Development was one out of three developers that were chosen by city council. I, I believe they're overdue on their plans that they're supposed to submit. That being said, Orton Development has been working with the community intensely to try to fashion the development of this building in a sensitive way. They're actually here as one of our sponsors in the parking lot. We've been in conversation with them and they know what we're all about, which is community, art, and dedicated booking for Oakland talent, whether that's music, art, or dance. Something that we are really adamant about. We want our flagship venue, whether that be the Fox Theater, Paramount, or the Henry J, to book predominantly Oakland-based musicians. Something that we have not experienced for decades since Bill Graham in San Francisco. You know, it goes back to Sly Stone goes back to how hip-hop has been treated and not booked in San Francisco for decades. And it just goes back to now with Hyphy and Trap and some of these newer kids who are still not getting booked in San Francisco. And so for us, it's important to stress what is local. We eat local and we, I want to present culture that is local, that's not helicoptered in from San Francisco or any other area code or zip code. Great, great. So what is the way by which you try to find or cultivate and try to find this talent? Oh, we've had to work at that quite, right. yes, quite a bit. Um, we take online submissions every January. We do our best to try to get our word out there. We don't have much of a reach in terms of a marketing budget. Uh, but even yet, um, we get over 100 musicians each year who submit. It takes forever to score and to process the musicians. Everybody who volunteers hours to this festival gets to vote. All votes are averaged out, and each year the scores very much reflect the tastes of the organizers and the grassroots movement that is, is helping to put this all together. And then we throw a couple listening parties and enjoy ourselves and try to wade through 100 musicians, uh, five minutes of peace. Well, actually, two songs, so maybe about six minutes or seven. It just, it, it becomes tedious. But it is the most exciting part of the year. I get to meet and treasure over 100 new bands that I've never seen through four squares of my computer screen. And it's just so much of an honor to be at that table, to hear such local talent bubbling over. And for us, it's just gives us such a sense of responsibility to try to convey what's really going on in the city culturally, musically, and in, especially in the world of dance. Like Trap and Hyphy, 
contemporary dance in Oakland really does not get booked. We have to send winners to So You Think You Can Dance in order for us to get recognition. And that needs to change as well. And so dance has always been a cornerstone of our festival. I'm a hip-hop b-boy from the 90s, in addition to being a house DJ. And um, the fluidity of urban dance, the intersection of boogaloo and Latin freestyle dancing into hip-hop dancing and street dance in the late 70s and 80s. There's only a few places in America that that happened, and Oakland is one of them. And we continue to push contemporary dance in ways that, for example, Turf Inc. I mean, they're one of our incredible dancing troops that come out here uh, amongst a dozen, and they were featured in Kendrick Lamar's All Right video. They've garnered millions of hits on social media. All our musicians combined don't equal to the reach and uh, influence that Turf Inc. spreads. Um, and the fact that, you know, the city of Oakland doesn't really feature them in their own music festival, I think it's, it's short-sighted. I think that it needs to change, and I hope that it does. Uh, it's something that I'd love to speak to the city and have spoken to the city about continually. Another question, in trying to bring in, again, the next generation, kids, Yes. with what you're doing, how are you able to outreach to organizations or maybe even the school district, the public school district? And the school district uh, has been a challenge. Uh, we need to clear a lot of things with the district through the bureaucracy, and it's been a challenge. It's been difficult for us. Um, one thing we have attempted to do is partner up with nonprofits like Today's Future Sound, they teach beat instruction Ableton workshops in schools as well as internationally. They're founded by a PhD director. He's fantastic. Again, today's future sound. So getting in contact and partnering up with nonprofits like that has allowed us to reach into some of the Oakland Unified schools where they do get in contact with the children. This year, another attempt that we've tried to do, a second method, is Fizzler on the Roof. They're not a nonprofit, but they're definitely geared toward younger audiences that are much more urban, hyphy, trap-oriented, and EDM and garage, broadly based. And so we've partnered with them to put on a high school heat check, basically a battle of the bands, across all the high schools in the Bay. They've had close to 200 submissions, and the winners that were hand-selected by um, the DJs at Fizzler on the Roof were presented in between book bands on the main stage. Many of them were predictably trap, hyphy rappers and such. But to put, to put those children on a large festival stage, on a city scale, is something that we intentionally try to do. Hip-hop has a difficult time getting booked and clearing permits for a city-wide event like this. And so we really want to encourage these children to have the opportunity to perform on a festival stage of this level. Conversely, or in addition to, we want the police to be comfortable with that. We want the police to see that these acceptable genres squeezed into between these quote-unquote unacceptable or highly risky or um, highly, you know, the kind of genres that require special event permits and extra security, and let's just put it, you know, frankly. We want the cops to be comfortable with that. Our neighborhood has a lot of police academy graduates. We are a training beat, and therefore we, we enjoy a lot of fresh police officers. And we really want them to engage the community right away, as soon as they graduate. Um, and we want them to grow with the community. And those are things that um, we try to bring to the children. 
and give them an adult experience at an adult festival all around. It sounds like you're doing a lot of really great things, and what I appreciate about you and this festival and the organizers is the, the level of commitment to the community, having an understanding of the community, what it desires, having the voice of the volunteers, being able to also be included within the process of selecting the music, and just your overall mission. I think everything that you guys are doing is really great. We definitely have given me a little bit of a, a, a lesson. There were things that you talked about that I wasn't even aware of, but are also true. Like, you know, like why aren't we getting local artists, there's so many great artists that are living in Oakland, like into some of these larger venues in San Francisco, these weird racial, basically racism-based ideologies that are being held by people to not put notice on some of these great styles of dance and music that come from Oakland, but are focusing on some of these like larger national reach musicians who still draw, if anything, still a um, audience that is just ca as capable of damaging the space that they're in or going over the top, but then when things are being done by brown people, they're suddenly being looked at as needing extra police there or policing on the events. Um, I, I really appreciate that you guys are aware of that, but you're also using a space that doesn't really get utilized too much. And I mean, this is a great community space. I mean, the people on radio can't see what's happening around us, but beautiful setting. I mean, we had the lake right next to us, an amazingly diverse crowd that has gathered around here. It's, it's really so about nice. the infants and the toddlers, yeah, uh, as well as really the great. pets. And you want to talk about diversity. We really try to encourage a safe space for families to come out. Uh, we don't sell alcohol. We don't solicit money. We don't exchange any kind of money, keep the money handlers out of the temple, so to speak, in the park space, and it create a very welcoming, inviting way for all income levels, as well as all ages and walks of life, especially for the stroller crowd, uh, to lack of a better phrase, the stroller crowd, to see them out here. It's really refreshing, and that's something that we really celebrate. Um, we're big fans of you know, nonprofit festivals like Stern Grove and Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. And we love what they're doing, but I think the stroller crowd has started to disappear from some of those events. And we really want to emphasize diversity across ages and income brackets as well as race. So for us, community is really, I mean, again, the challenges in our neighborhood is that we have a lot of people who are non-native speakers who ha uh, speak English as a second language. And to have, to try to bridge that and bring them together, it's definitely a challenge. It's not just about income, it's not just about race, it's not just about any one thing, and it's really a challenge, but it's such a fun challenge to try to bring everybody out. For those who would like to hear some of the music that's being played today, or learn more about your festival, and maybe even volunteer for the one coming up next year, how would they learn more information about the event and the music being featured? We have a website, eastlakemusicfestival.org, as well as our Facebook properties, uh, facebook.com slash eastlakemusicfestival, Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, I really encourage people to check us out on our website. We multi-track record, and that means we mix produce and master our own recordings of our musicians. We provide the media, the raw recordings, as well as the mixed and mastered songs for them, because that really is the business card of this new millennia. We feature 
HD multi-camera videos of those performances on our website. And so currently we have about just over a dozen or so performances from the past three years. We're hoping to put a dozen up this year. So if you come to our website, you can find info, information about getting involved under Get Involved, or you can see the visual art as well as the performance art in our videos section of our website. I'm just floored by the incredible skilled volunteers, and not, the, not only the musicians, the artists, and dancers, but we have very capable technical people, audio engineers, professionals from the industry, and the fact that they see what we're doing and are willing to put in incredibly valuable and incredibly rare volunteer hours. We're just awash in human resources. We have incredible human capabilities, and we just stack it up here. And that just, you know, when, when you see those YouTube videos, for me, it just blows me away, because I'm only a corner piece of that whole process. I mean, anybody who's done media production and post-production knows it. it's when all the, the lights go out and the crowds are gone, you're still in the trenches trying to produce something uh, valuable for the musicians. I, I love it when the musicians realize that three, four months after the festival, we're still giving them things in return for their performance and their engagement of our community. Welcome back to Full Circle. I'm your host, Ido Desperado Ephraim Colbert. For those of you just joining us now, today's show is on the Eastlake Music Festival. The piece we just played was of Stevie G and my interview with event organizer Shang Yi. Shang is an Oakland resident with a lot of love for the city's unique music, dance, and art scenes. His goal in creating this festival was for artists to have a space to share their talents with the community. Up next, our interview with musical artist Afro Funk Experience. KPFA audience, this is Audio Desperado Ephraim Colbert here with Stevie G at the East Lake Music Festival. Isn't that right, Stevie? Yes, indeed. Having some fun on a nice sunny day down here at the lake and ready to get started with uh, the Afro Funk Experience. A fantastic band about to go on and want to get some information going. All right, all right. How you doing? Hello, hello. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, well, again, the band, the origination of the name of the band, and uh, kind of what brings you down to Eastlake. Well, band Afrofunk Experience, we've been together, let's see now, I think about 10, 12 years with original members. About 12 years, we originally were Sela and the Afrofunk Experience, and about six years or so, we uh, kind of went separate ways with Sela and we kept the band going and comprised of uh, three local San Francisco musicians, David James here to my right with me, I'm Wendell Rand and then Ken House, we're all from the city and we decided to just keep this, the flavor going, you know, with uh, original funk music with Afrobeat flavorings and Latin funk and reggae too. It's kind of an African diaspora, if you will music and uh, yeah. grounded grounded in funk all right so I'm always interested to kind of know what sort of brought you from a musical standpoint into music what was it as a young person that kind of hit you right there in the heart well for me this is David for me just growing up you know there's just music in the house and going to church you know that there was just music all the time and so I, I was drawn to the players at church you know, drawn to that thing they were doing. And even though I stopped going to church at a certain point, the music part of it, you We've know, all been just, there. Mm -hmm. just, you know, stayed with. Wendell, yourself? 
Yeah, I, I, there's, ever since I can remember, there was instruments all over my house. My dad played, um, he played upright bass, and my aunts actually were in a band. Sly Stone had a band called Little Sister back in the day, and my auntie sang in that band and sang with Edwin Hawkins, the gospel powerhouse. I think they're on that song, Oh Happy Day, actually. So there was music in my house. Uh, ever since I was, I was a kid, and, and uh, I just gravitated towards bass. Uh, and here I am now. Someone told me, man, play bass, you get some gigs. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm playing bass and trying to gig as much as I can. All right, sounds good. So based on that, based on the band, what sort of brings you down to East Lake? What's the, what's the tie-in here? Well, the community vibe of this particular festival, I mean, there, there's a couple of other festivals going on this weekend. One is very expensive. One is free, but it's, you know, it's a longer standing. It's also community oriented across the bay. It's Carnival. But this one is on the newer side. You know, this is a beautiful setting. I'm looking right behind me. You got Lake Merritt. You got, you got the hills. But right in front of me, you got the people. It's just a beautiful thing. That's what's up. It's the, a beautiful the thing. folks from the area here are, are able to enjoy some music for for virtually free. And what's so great about it as well is the natural amplifying element of the music. So it, it travels pretty far, which is I'm sure great for you all as musicians, because it's like not only are the people that are sitting down able to enjoy your performance, but it's reaching pretty far out, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, no, we're, we're going to be heard. It's gonna, <laughs> the sound is going to carry. It is carrying now. I really liked how you said that your music encompasses different musical talents and uh, musical styles include of the African diaspora. Is there one in particular style that you are drawn to the most? Funk, soul, R&B, or do you just love all of those elements? Yeah, my brother David James said it already. All of our music is based in funk, really, I think, and whatever that is, whatever you want to call that, what makes you nod your head and shake your butt, you know? That, to me, that's what's funky. And so, yeah, it's not, it's no, it's no presumption to it. It's just... Do you want to dance? You know. So yeah, you're gonna say this, you're gonna be bringing the dance to East Lake today, right? I hope so. I hope they dance. I'll be dancing on stage. That's for sure. Do you have a favorite bass player, Bootsy Collins? Is that someone that it's uh, safe to say is your favorite with Man, you and your so, love of funk? So many great bass players. I, I, you know, the ones that do the most without playing a lot. That's the ones I tend to really admire. You know, less is more, as Miles used to say. But there's so many great players. Yeah, no, no favorites. There's too many to name. All of them are influences. And what about you, Dave? Do you draw any uh, inspiration from a, any guitar player in particular? John Coltrane. <laughs> but he doesn't play guitar. Yeah, but but he, play just, guitar. just music. Good music is just music that hits you, hits you. And, I, and I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. I listen to a lot of different instrumentalists. And they've, I think a lot of them have influenced me in some way. And where can we hear your music? Do you have a website, or where can we buy your music? We do. Afrofunkexperience.com is one place. We're on, we're on iTunes and all, all that other stuff. KPFA should have a CD. And we're, we're available. If you just look us up, you'll be able to find Afrofunk Experience. We also, I should say, we also got a, we just uh, locked down a residency in San Francisco at the Milk Bar on Hate. Uh, and we'll be doing, starting in July, we'll be, we'll be doing every third Friday of the month. And so it'll be Afro Funk Experience Presents. And so come on down. We're going to have guest artists. 
And uh, yeah, we'll be at the Ivy Room as well here in the East Bay. And we're about to actually go into the studio tomorrow. So all the songs we'll be playing today, hopefully will be available very soon. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank it's you. been fantastic. Thanks for having us, man. We hope to have you soon in the studio with us again sometime at uh, KPFA. We love it. Right on. Thank you. Again, this is Ephraim Colbert, Desperado with Stevie G here at Eastlake Music Festival with Afrofunk Experience. You'll be able to hear them live starting in July in San Francisco and Oakland live starting this June, really recently. And they are part of the Eastlake Music Festival that we are having here today. Their CDs are available online as well. That website again, gentlemen, is what? Afrofunkexperience.com. Thanks for having us, y'all. All right. All right, peace. Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA. We just heard an interview and music from Afrofunk Experience. My co-host for that interview has stopped by to say hello, Stevie G. Steve is a new member to the Full Circle team, part of Group 43. Steve, how did you feel about the interview? Exciting. I was definitely jazzed up for the experience of community and music, along with the Full Circle vibe of KPFA. This was my very first interview as host for broadcast. Yeah, and at a music festival of all places, were you nervous? (laughs) Indeed. 
even with the comfort of the music topic, knowing when and where to speak left me just not knowing what to do. And then add to that, this was a dual interview, so I had never done anything close to that type of partnership on the air. Well, Steve, you did a really great job, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can our audience hear more from Afrofunk Experience? To hear more of their music and links to their website, visit kpfaapprentice.org. Well, you did a great job, man. Thank you, Steve. Our last piece features a graphic artist who uses his medium to spread love and community. He's being interviewed by Frank Sterling and Stevie G. All right, welcome back. This is Full Circle. We are here at the East Lake Music Festival, and there's a lot going on here. And one thing that's real big here at the festival is art. And we're here with Richard Art Felix. His friends call him Felix, and he's uh, bringing the art to the people. And um, I think it's a really important idea to make art accessible to folks. So tell us what you do with your Art Is Mobile bus. So my name is Richard Art Felix. As thank you for the introduction. And the project is called Art Is Mobile Us, or Artist Mobilis. And it's uh, started as a converting a bus to a mobile art gallery art instigator. And we bring art to different communities all around where they might not have access to art or you know, instead of going to find alleys with good street art, we bring good street art to all around. So the bus has 20-foot mural galleries on the outside and we use it as um, an incubator, instigator. And that created this other program called Anybody Can Paint, which are these mobile collaborative creativity art walls and art zones and art installations that we build and we do bring them to schools, we bring them to festivals, we bring them to community events, we bring them to even the corporate world recently just for team building. I walked by and saw it over there. Tell us what Anybody Can Paint is. What do you actually do over there? So Anybody Can Paint is, um, as an artist, an art catalyst, I created this project as collaborative public art. So each piece in each location that we build is a unique piece. So I make a new design, a fresh design each day or each event and everybody gets a piece of that design, but what triggers it is that there's a theme. So we don't let anybody paint without first talking to them about the theme. We actually use that in very inviting creation that I make to entice people in, and before they get started, we say, hey, wait, we want you to think about something together. So today the theme is happiness on one side, so it's a happiness wall, and on the other side it's a love wall. So what is love to you? What is happiness to you? But we've done community and unity and, you know, what do you love about the earth? And, you know, what does music look like? It depends where we are. And, you know, what is freedom? What is apology? I mean, we use these contexts of art to get people to create and think together. And then I go back into it and paint into it as well. We're facilitating and I'm painting into it. And then they always come out great, each one. And, you know, we've got hundreds and thousands of people painting together. So uh, give me a little background. Uh, how did you yourself get involved with art, you know, at a young age? What sort of was your beginning and your process? Uh, I've been making art since I was five. So uh, I started painting when I was five and just, you know, cathartic childhood and, you know, the need to express and to create. And I uh, started photographing when I was 10. And I have a full career as a mixed media exhibiting artist in museums and galleries around the country and in, in Europe. and and uh, even Asia. And then, um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur artist my whole life. And then about four or five years ago, I, I just wanted to step out of what I'd been doing and really focus on what inspires me. What inspires me, it, 
is inspiring others. You know, I've been going to Burning Man for something like 15 years and I've seen art as a catalyst to build communities, to be inclusive, to, to do the things that we all value. But you know, how do I teach that without talking about it? So this art wall actually teaches about inclusivity, self-expression, communal effort, and um, you know, the things we value. I mean, we're, you know, the, what I've found is that we have an innate desire to tribe. So we have an innate desire to participate in something greater than ourselves. We have an innate impulse to creatively express ourselves. And we have a lot of voices that go off like, I can't, I don't, I'm the numbers person, I'm not an artist, I can't paint. Because somebody said that to them. Somebody like just canceled that. And that's, that's a gift to all of us, creative thinking. That's solution, that's you know, problem solving, that's innovation, that's that's what I hope to stimulate, you know. We can turn the creative on at everybody and empower that. I'm hopeful that we have some positive response in the world around us. Talk about the importance of making art accessible to people at no cost, because you know, a lot of museums around here you might have to pay to get in, or you might not be able to see uh, art all the time at no cost. So talk about the importance of making art accessible. Well, it's, it's not just cost, it's you know, getting there, getting back, right? And um, and also some of the stigma, like you know, like whoa, you know, I'm, I don't know anything about art, and, you know, it's that's them, not us, right? And really, art stimulates everybody, you know, and all around the world. I mean, that's part of every culture. There's the hunter-gatherer, there's the nurturer, there's the medicine person, you know, the doctor, the shaman, the shaman. There's the storyteller. So we all have that, and this is, you know, this is my, I am the storyteller, and I'm creating a space for everybody. And to answer your question, bringing art to the people, and this is art for and by the people. So along those lines, just in terms of background and training and what have you, so I'm a computer scientist myself, but what I notice most is even though there's a big push with STEM now, I've always preferred the word STEAM more so, where we do include the arts, but how do we reinvigorate our educational process with kids, definitely, so that we have that greater access and able to bring that about. How are you able to do that? Well, we get invited to schools and uh, to provide a collaborative art environment, which you know is a lot of fun for everybody. But there's a subtext that's taking place. We're, we're you know, we're cross-cultural. So what I've found is that desire to participate together is stronger than the desire to separate. And so I get Muslim kids and Christian kids and Jewish kids and Latin kids and black kids and white kids and all colored kids that don't play together, coming together on these art walls. And I had the same thing in adults, you know? We may not connect in our daily life, but in the art wall, you know, paintbrush in hand, everybody's cool. Well, I think before we wrap up, I'd just like to ask you a kind of a, just an odd question, like what do you think is the most important thing about art? <laughs> I know there's a lot of ways to answer the that. The most important thing about art or and the I most important thing about collaborative creativity? Uh, both. So at this point, you know, we've had something like 75,000 people painting together in the last three years, three and a half years at over 200 different events. And I've morphed this. I've morphed this to, to create this platform for inclusive collaboration. And uh, so the importance of that to me is, one, hopefully contributing to a more positive world is by gifting that to everybody, by removing all barriers to entry. You know, anybody can paint, right? Anybody can 
think about the theme, they can respond. They can write or they can paint in their own space in the design. And they're all participating in something. They have ownership through participation. And, uh, you know, that's like the world we live in. We should hopefully think that that's, you know, we can create a mural together, we can create a better world together. All right, Richard Art Felix, uh, known to his friends as Felix, thanks for joining us, part of the uh, Art is Mobile, or Art, how do you say it, Art is Mobile Us. Artist Mobilis. Mobilis. Art is Mobilis. Bring it's a new phylum on mobile collaborative creativity. I like that. And anybody could paint. Uh, maybe you could check them out sometime. You got a next location you're going to be? Uh, that's a lot coming up. Like every weekend, somewhere in the Bay Area. Is there a place people can uh, find out where you'll be? A website or a place online to look? Yeah, generally we post up on Facebook at Artist Mobilis. A-R-T-I-S-M-O-B-I-L-U-S. And where we're gonna go, and we generally document where we've been on Instagram and Facebook. So follow us, like us, catch up with us, participate. We'll go anywhere in the world to make art with you. Right on. Well, thank you very much, uh, Richard Art Felix of Art is Mobilus, and anybody can paint. Thanks for being here, and thanks for sharing your art and uh, the actual ability to participate in creating art. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Shouts out to the wonderful organizers of Eastlake Music Festival, Shang Yi, Crystal Fry, and Gabriella Condi. Also, thanks to all the Full Circle staff that attended the event and helped us record Teresa, Terry Talks, Catherine the Cat Petru, Sherry M, and Stevie G. Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Be sure to join us every Friday evening at 7 p.m. or check out our website at kpfaapprentice.org archive shows, pictures of us, and our guests, important links, and extended interviews. The executive producer of Full Circle is Miss M. Our technical director is Freewheel and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, Otto Desperado Fryam Colbert. Up next is La Onda Baita. We close the show with Picture Atlantic with Lord Have Mercy. Will it be?